The New Orleans Saints made some high-profile moves this offseason, but it's the moves that no one's talking about outside of New Orleans that may make a huge difference in 2023. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. A big shout out to all you everydayers out there. Don't forget, you can always subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a daily episode. And as always, if you want to keep the conversation going one-on-one with me, you can head over to joinsubtext.com slash locked on saints to join a community I would love for you to be a part of. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson. No, they're on your favorite social media, your New Orleans Saints expert credential member of the media. You can find me as a senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can find me every Tuesday on the Locked on NFL podcast and here with you every single Monday through Friday and then some on Locked on Saints. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find the app in the App Store and sign up with the promo code Locked On to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're going to take a look at Dennis Allen's comments on what it takes to build an NFL roster, which usually includes a lot more minds, a lot more folks than you might think it does. We'll also take a look at Clancy Barone and how he's been changing the tight end room. We'll have a clip from Demario Davis there about how challenging that tight end room is, but how it better prepares the defense for the regular season. But to get everything started today, I want to take a look at the underrated impact moves that the Saints have made so far this offseason that I think have become very evident over the course of training camp and two out of three preseason games so far. So these aren't the big moves. This isn't you know, signing Derek Carr. This isn't getting Michael Thomas to stick around. This isn't drafting, you know, players, any players at all. Doesn't matter where you get drafted. If you're drafted, it's a big move, right? Like the draft is covered so much. Uh, But instead, we're going to take a look at a couple of players that the Saints kept in the building and then a couple of players the Saints have added to the building thus far. And I'm just going to name a couple here. And so I'd love to hear your additional names too, because there's more names on the roster than this for sure that fall under this category. So let me start off with one of the bigger names that we've been discussing here most recently that's picked up a lot of steam, the signing of undrafted free agent wide receiver Shaq Davis. Shaq Davis is one of these guys that has all the tools that you would expect several NFL teams to be in on. Coming out of South Carolina State University and HBCU, maybe he flew under the radar a little bit more because of the, quote, level of competition is usually the criticism when it comes to players coming from there, just like players coming from FBS schools and things like that. And so FBS or FCS, the lower tier schools and things like that, that aren't like the power five conferences. I mean, like those group of five schools and stuff like that. Um, But what we've seen from him so far over the course of camp is that he is somebody that is willing to come in with a chip on his shoulder. And of course, that chip is taking him a long way. It was just a moment at some point where the game just slowed down for Shaq Davis. And since then, he has been Uh, really, really outstanding to watch, whether it be in games or, of course, in practice as well. 
Uh, looking forward to seeing him today. The Saints are practicing in the Superdome today. And so we'll get an opportunity under the lights to be able to kind of get ready for Sunday's matchup against the Houston Texans. So Shaq Davis, of course, has been one of those underrated acquisitions that no one's talking about outside of the New Orleans Saints fan base, right? Which goes beyond the borders of New Orleans. So I want to make sure I say the New Orleans Saints fan base. Um, another signing in addition that I think that the New Orleans Saints added that has had a major impact for them so far is safety Ugo Amadi. Uh, he's somebody I know I've talked about a ton every day, as you know that I've spoken about Ugo Amadi a bunch, but for good reason. I mean, he had that first interception uh, against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs on the tip pass, the pass breakup by Alante Taylor. Excellent play by both of those defensive backs. But I think the thing that really stands out to me most about Ugo Amadi is just his versatility, all the things that he's able to do. That's the type of stuff that kept PJ Williams in New Orleans for years and years and years on like 81 year contracts or however many he signed it was because he was able to contribute from a bunch of different places. And we see that with Ugo Amadi as well. Ugo is somebody that can contribute as a safety. He can contribute in the box. He can contribute as a slot corner and he can contribute in various ways on special teams, not just as a coverage guy on special teams, but also as a returner himself. So he just checks a ton of boxes. I think Ugo Amadi will be here in New Orleans. I would be ready to write his name on a roster or on a depth chart in permanent marker. But hey, we've all been surprised before, right? It's the worst part about the 53-man cutdowns is the stuff you don't expect. And so that couldn't be the case with Ugo, but it seems that he is on the right trajectory. And him being a guy that can back up the slot, I think is huge too. Bradley Roby missed time with injuries last year. The Saints don't really have a quintessential backup slot cornerback. Now that PJ Williams isn't in the building anymore, they've been trying to cross train Alante Taylor there, but that's a lot to learn over the course of six weeks. That's years of knowledge that you have to pick up over the course of six weeks. That's really tough to do. And so getting a guy like Ugo Amadi, who has played in the slot, who has excelled in the slot, and who has excelled here in the slot so far throughout training camp, he's been a huge acquisition for them. And you'll certainly really feel his impact if he makes the roster and, which I expect he will, and if Bradley Roby ends up missing some time in the slot, then you really get an idea of how much of an underrated impact signing in addition he was. Got a couple of re-signings for you. One of them I'll get out of the way because it's kind of picking up steam outside of New Orleans and outside of the New Orleans Saints fan base because of the fantasy football community. But how important was retaining and re-signing Juwan Johnson? It wasn't the hardest job in the world. He was a restricted free agent, didn't have the ability to really go and talk to anybody or anything. Saints kind of had full control over that situation, but they could have messed it up, right? Like they could have let him go somewhere. They could have allowed him to you know, go and figure out if he can get an offer sheet from somewhere else and see if they needed to match all that other stuff. And instead they got it done with him, kept him here in New Orleans, got him not only for this year, but for next year, huge addition for the New Orleans Saints. And it's addition by not allowing the subtraction, right? And then you think about what they have built all the way around Juwan Johnson in the tight end room, which we're going to get to here in just a moment. It gets even more exciting than that. But Juwan Johnson is somebody that has come along quite a bit at that position, a lot faster than anybody thought that he would. And he's going to be the Saints' number one tight end this offseason or going into this regular season, excuse me. Uh, and it's all because the Saints were able to keep him in the building. And similarly, keeping somebody in the building, defensive tackle Malcolm Roach. He had a little bit more of an opportunity to go out and test the market, but ended up coming back to New Orleans. And he has been huge for the Saints so far. I have him as one of my uh, breakout players along with. Um, Carl Granderson for this season. Uh, Peyton Turner has now made that list as well. This defensive line looks really, really good going into 2023, despite all that they've lost. And Malcolm Roach is a big reason why. We spoke with Colin Saunders, and one of the things that he mentioned with the way that this defensive line rotates is that he doesn't want to see a drop off at one position 
because you go from team one to team two. And so he sees no drop off between himself and Malcolm Roach. And Malcolm Roach sure plays like it, whether it's by disrupting in the middle when it comes to passing reps or when it comes to his ability to be able to get into the backfield and make plays in the run game. Both of those things have helped to bolster where Malcolm Roach is and where Malcolm Roach is set to go here in 2023. So the, the signing, the moves of adding Ugo Amadi and Shaq Davis make my list, as well as the retention of guys like Malcolm Roach and Juwan Johnson. What about you? What are some of the other names? Because there's other names that should be on this list that can be on this list. What are some of the other names that you're thinking of as underrated additions? Feel free to let me know. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at that tight end room. We just mentioned Juwan Johnson, but it's not just him. It's a very diverse tight end room. And Clancy Barone, the New Orleans Saints' new tight end coach, has a really intriguing and interesting way of going about coaching all of these guys. And we get to hear from Demario Davis how challenging that makes his job. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Harry's. I got to tell you right now, I exclusively use Harry's razors, exclusively. It's the only thing that I use from them. I have their Truman set. I've got three different razors. I love Harry's razors. Uh, they are absolutely fantastic. I'm not, I'm not clean shaven right now, but you know, I'm, I'm known for my clean shaven look. So probably the next time you see me, especially Sunday, you know, I got to look fresh in the press box with the suit on and everything like that. Harry's razor is going to have me all taken care of. And right now they have a starter set available for $13. You're going to get it for just $3 by heading over to harrys.com slash NFL. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com slash NFL. They've also got creams, washes, and lotions to keep your skin healthy and hydrated as well. Guys who have tried it said that their eighth shave is just as good as their first, and I would confirm that without a doubt. So get the best shave that you have had this summer with Harry's razors and skincare products. Get a $13 starter set for just $3 at harrys.com slash NFL. That's harrys.com slash NFL for a $3 starter set. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. The New Orleans Saints added a legendary coach in the tight end room in Clancy Barone, who has brought a unique approach to a very unique room. Appreciate you as always making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day to all your everydayers out there. You've heard me wax philosophical about the addition of Clancy Barone before. And if you haven't, don't worry, I'm going to do it again. Uh, Clancy Barone to me is one of the best um, coaching acquisitions the Saints had this offseason. And look, he's right up there with guys for me like Joe Woods, with Marcus Robertson, these other guys that they brought in that have had major impact on their position groups as well. Joe Woods, of course, the new defensive coordinator who looks at the whole defense as his position group. Marcus Robertson working with the defensive backs has had a major impact there as well. But Clancy Barone is somebody that I looked at coming into this season going, yeah, that's the guy that's going to make a really, really big difference going into the 2023 season. Why is that? Listen to some of the names that he's worked with. Antonio Gates, Algie Crumpler, Kyle Rudolph, Julius Thomas, Jimmy Graham is somebody that he's worked with before. And the thing that's really interesting about the relationship between he and Jimmy Graham, Clancy Barone and I spoke about this, is that you've got a guy that you're familiar with, right? Like Clancy, Clancy Barone, as well as Jimmy Graham worked together when they were in Chicago, right? So now you come to New Orleans, Jimmy Graham also comes to New Orleans. So you've got a tight end there that is one of the, you know, who's had a Hall of Fame career, right? Who is a player that has been 
um, that has been in this system before and then has a ton of knowledge that all the other tight ends in the room are definitely going to listen to. And so you bring somebody with you that has experience working with you, but also has an intimate knowledge of the system that you're now trying to fit into. So it kind of helps you with the same learning curve, right? And present this information, new information in a way that somebody that can help you translate all of it is right there by your side to get it done. So the value of Jimmy Graham increases exponentially, but also the value of a Clancy Barone continues to increase exponentially as well. A big part of why that value continues to increase is because of how diverse this tight end room is. Jimmy Graham is somebody that's a big bodied six foot seven red zone threat, big jump target. Let me go out there. I used to play basketball kind of guy plays above the rim. Juwan Johnson, ask him to do anything and he'll do it. He's a great pass catcher. He's a fantastic seam runner. He's a great route runner. He's very good after the catch, maybe kind of like underrated after the catch. He's uh, solidified further and further and further as a blocker in both areas of the game, both in pass protection as well as run protection. The guy can do just about anything for you and he can release. He's somebody that can block for you just as well on the backside as he can on the front side of a play. Foster Moreau, very similar. Solid pass catcher, solid route runner, solid blocker, and already has chemistry with your starting quarterback in Derek Carr. So even though he's coming in with less intimate knowledge of the system, Foster Moreau is than a Jawan Johnson who's been in the system before, than a Jimmy Graham who's been in the system before, or a similar version of the system before. He comes in with prior knowledge of the quarterback. J.P. Holtz, been here before. Lucas Kroll, been here before. These guys all have a ton of different ways that they're going to be able to contribute and impact the game from a variety of different sort of, let's say, approaches and uh, just having sort of that variation in terms of how they can get all of it done. So what Clancy Barone does is that he comes into the building and he's not really interested in, sort of like what we talked about with Todd Grantham, creating a cookie cutter approach to the position. Instead, he's wanting to build off of everybody's strengths. He's wanting to build off of the communication of everybody. Everyone in that room has a voice. If Jimmy Graham sees something and he feels like he can explain it, that's Jimmy Graham's time. If Juwan Johnson has a question or he sees something and he wants to explain it and kind of break it down for the other guys, he has the floor. Same thing for Foster Moreau, same thing for Lucas Kroll, same thing for Jesse James when he's around, same thing for J.P. Holt. And then same thing for Taysom Hill, who of course comes into this tight end room with quarterback experience. So he has the ability to turn around and say, this is what we're looking for as tight ends, but also here's what the quarterback's looking for and the way that they want to see it done and the way that they, where they need you to be in terms of somebody that has executed and again won as a quarterback in the New Orleans Saints system. And so Clancy Barone comes in and creates sort of the symbiotic relationship amongst everyone in the room that allows them to be able to continuously grow together. One of the things that Clancy Barone said to me that I thought was so incredible, well, actually there were two things. He said that he learns more about the game from players than he's ever learned from any coach. But the other thing that he said to me that I thought was brilliant is that good players want to be coached. Great players want to be told the truth. And he has bred a room of players that want to be told the truth. Here's the impact that it has on a defense. And this is a guy that knows this system better than anyone. Demario Davis. Here's what Demario Davis had to say when I asked him about how much of a challenge the New Orleans Saints diversity and variation in the tight end room creates for a set of defenders. You got so many weapons. Uh... And it's, it's great that we're getting those looks in, in practice. Um, when you're going against uh, a vertical threat tight end like Juwan uh, with so much speed, uh, when you're going against a bigger body like Jimmy Graham, uh, when you're going, you know, guys who know how to get open and, and use their savviness, guys like Foster. Um, I mean, you just got so many weapons. You know, it's, you're getting a look at all kind of tight ends that you're going to see during the season. And, you know, some guys 
have like one or two of those to have all three of those, I, I believe it's kind of rare for a tight end room. Um, and it's, and it's a special group. Plus you got a quarterback who knows how to get those guys the ball in their favorite spots. So that's what makes it uh, challenging. So imagine that. Imagine being the New Orleans Saints defense, knowing that you're going to be going up against a ton of different tight ends all throughout the regular season, knowing that a guy like an uh, a Kyle Pitts is not equal to a guy like uh, an Austin Hooper or, or whatever. Austin Hooper was probably not the greatest example, but you know what I mean, right? Like you have all these different types of tight ends that you're going to face all throughout the season. But when you're a New Orleans Saints defender, you get an early look at all that. You're not practicing against just one type of bell cow tight end. You're practicing against four or five completely different types of tight ends that have varying skill sets. And that better prepares you for the season. So while it makes it challenging for the New Orleans Saints defense, because of how good this New Orleans Saints tight end room is, it's making the defense even better. And Clancy Barone's at the forefront of that, along with the players that also get a voice when it comes to the way that this, that this position room continues to grow. Coming up next, speaking of coaches, speaking of rosters, we're going to take a look at a little bit of a back and forth that I had with Dennis Allen about creating the 53-man roster. How does that process go? Who all's involved? We got that coming up for you as we continue on to wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy. There's no better place to play your fantasy football leagues, especially if you're like me and you're busy because they got the best ball format over at Underdog. I love the best ball format. You draft just like you usually would in any standard league in terms of a stake draft and all that. But then there's no waivers, there's no trades, there's no managing your roster because Underdog just sets your best lineup for you each and every week. You set it once, then you forget about it. And then if you're somebody from your bench outscores your starting quarterback at the quarterback position, boom, they jump up, they become your starter for that week. And at the end of the season, whoever's got the most points wins. Doesn't get much simpler than that. And it is so much fun to do it that way because you're not all bogged down with all of the week to week management. So if you want to try it out, you can head over to Underdog's Best Ball Mania Tournament. It's the largest fantasy football contest of all time. It's back and bigger than ever. $15 million in total prizes up for grabs, including an absurd $3 million for the winner. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store today. Sign up with the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. It's Underdog Fantasy, promo code LOCKEDON. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked On Saints with a little bit of uh, kind of like a narrative segment here to where we're just going to kind of discuss how it is that the 53-man roster is built. Because I think that we in media have a habit of creating 53-man rosters in a look at like, here's the number of quarterbacks, here's the number of running backs, here's the number of wide receivers, as if the number of players at each position drives the construction of the roster. And it doesn't, right? Like there's a lot of times to where we'll hear something like, oh, well, will the New Orleans Saints keep five or six wide receivers as if that's just a decision made in a vacuum? It's not a decision that's made in a vacuum. That decision is really about, can that six receiver contribute on special teams? Because ideally that six receiver very rarely ever sees the field over on the offensive side. And so can they contribute on special teams or can they not? Because if not, then that means I need to find another player that can contribute at special teams. So this wide receiver is going to be pitted up against this linebacker, this safety, and this running back. 
because I got to figure out which of the four of them is going to be able to be the best contributor over on special teams. And if I choose that running back to be the guy that can contribute best on special teams, that means that that wide receiver, that linebacker, that corner might not make the roster. It's not just about, I want to keep this number of halfbacks. I want to keep this number of fullbacks. I want to keep this number of wide receivers and then kind of building it out from there. No, no, that's not the way that the New Orleans Saints roster is built. That's not the way that an NFL roster is built. Uh, I forgot to tell you, but I hope you know. I appreciate you very much, all you everydayers out there making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day. Uh, this is kind of stuff that we dig into here because we like to go through uh, kind of this is this is kind of like a little bit of an extended version of our midweek fundamentals here. It's just like, how does this really work? And so when I did my 53-man roster projection, which if you haven't caught it was just a few days ago, just go back a couple of episodes and you'll find it there. Um, the way that I broke it down was instead of going by like, here are the quarterbacks, here are the running backs, here are the wide receivers, here's the tight end, so on and so forth, is that I said, okay, here's the starters on offense. Here's the starters on defense. Here's the depth on offense. Here's the depth on defense. And here's the core group of special teamers, not just your kicker, punters, long snapper, but also your guys that are going to be your gunners, your guys that are going to be your, uh, your up in the guys that are going to be your, you know, big time coverage guys, or maybe just your big time, uh, uh, return guys, whatever it might be. And then, so we built it out that way. And then we still arrived at 53. We just kind of did it in a way that was a little bit, I call it unconventional, but you know me, I'm all about being unconventional. So no surprise there. Uh, so when I asked Dennis Allen about how the roster is constructed, actually, there are two questions that I asked him, and I'm going to play both uh, back to back. You'll, you might have a little bit of trouble hearing me in the question. I'll try to edit it up a little bit. But um, the, the first question that I asked was, what are the things that you're looking for for players that are on the brink, right, that are on the cusp of making the 53-man roster? Is it about how they can contribute to their, to their position more, or is it more about what they can do on special teams? And then my follow-up question was, when you're looking at building out your 53-man roster, are you looking at it from the perspective of, we need this many players at this position, this many players at this position, this many players at this position, or is it all about starter depth and then filling out the rest with special teams? So those are the two questions that he gets from me here. Uh, But the first question is all about, what are you wanting to see from guys that are vying for roster spots right now? I think think it's a combination of things. You know, um, we take all those things into account. um, You know, if a guy's not, um, getting significant snaps on offense or defense. He's got to have. He's got to add value on game day. Well, how do you add value on game day? You have to add value through special teams. So, um, I think all those things are taken into account. When you're building that, are you building the, the roster out, looking at starters' depth, and then you know, kind of filling out the rest, or is it kind of a position by position look? How does that that actually get looked at? Yeah. Well, I think you're. You know, I think you're looking at the at the total picture in terms of in terms of the football team you know and uh you know the individual position coaches typically are kind of looking at their position and what fits for their position and the roles within that 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 particular group um coordinators are looking at their side of the ball and how does it affect their side of the ball obviously riz is looking at special teams and uh, myself mickey michael kai Jeff, we're all kind of looking at the whole totality of the team and how everything fits. So there you have it, right? There's a lot of lot of different perspectives and a lot of different people that are a part of this conversation. It's not just as simple as maybe the coach, general manager, and you know, director of pro personnel coming together and saying, you know, oh, okay, well, here's our roster, right? The position coaches have their votes. Guys like Clancy Barone, who we just highlighted, but also Marcus Robertson and Michael Hodges in the linebacker room, Todd Grantham in the defensive line, 
Doug Marone on the offensive line, Cody Burns at wide receiver, so on and so forth. Uh, but then you also have the two coordinators that are kind of looking at this from a more, a little bit of a, well, really three coordinators, right? Who are looking at it from their own sort of version of a holistic perspective. Pete Carmichael's taking all the, the stuff from the position groups and looking at, okay, or, or the offensive position groups, okay, what does the offense look like? Joe Woods doing the same thing on the defensive side, Darren Rizzi doing the same thing on the special team side. And then it gets to guys like Dennis Allen and Michael Parenton and Kai Harley and, uh, and, and Mickey Loomis to go, okay, what does the team need to look like? And so this really comes down to, it does start a little bit with the position groups, right? A little bit to where it's the position coaches saying, okay, this, these guys, this is kind of the way that I look at it in terms of how my room shakes out. So it does kind of start there. But then it quickly turns into, okay, how do we, how do each of these players contribute in various ways? Here's, here's my opinion on how all of these guys contribute on the offensive side. Here's my opinion on how all these guys contribute on the defensive side. Here's Darren Rizzi's opinion on how, um, you know, all these players contribute on the special team side. Here's the list of guys or whatever it might be that I want for my special teams unit, my special teams core. And then from that, you see them break everything down where everything kind of transitions back to the conversation of, how, what's the contribution of each of these players as opposed to what's the number and position of each of these players and how many you know, of these players or how many players at this position do we want to keep on the roster? It becomes less about that and more about what's the role that they fill within how do we maximize the most amount of talent amongst the 53 players that are there. And then when it comes to the players that are kind of on the cusp, it comes down to both in terms of can you contribute a bit at your position group and can you show a little bit more how you can contribute at your position group, but then also get that nod from Darren Rizzi? Like imagine that there's a difference between Darren Rizzi saying, hey, I really want Jonathan Abram for this, you know, for my special teams unit. But then you've got, you know, at the very beginning, Marcus Robertson leaving Jonathan Abram off of his list, right? Not to single out Jonathan Abram, I'm just using an example here where you get a disconnect there. But then the other version of that is that you know, uh, Michael Hodges says, I really want Ty Summers in my room. And Darren Rizzi says, I really want Ty Summers in my special teams unit. Boom, right? Both of those things meet. That's two votes basically to get you onto the roster. Like that's the way that this thing can kind of pan out sometimes. And so it's not just so simple as here's the number of quarterbacks, here's the number of wide receivers, here's the number of running backs, which is the way that maybe we in media make you think a roster is built. And instead, it's a lot more of an intricate process than that, that involves a lot of opinions, involves a lot of votes, and of course involves what the players themselves are able to do to prove, hey, we can contribute in multiple ways, or I'm your guy when it comes to contributing at this spot, right? And that's your starter on the offensive side or defensive side that doesn't play a lot of special teams. So just interesting stuff. I love how transparent DA was uh, about that. And just, I'm gonna give him his flowers real quick. I love how transparent he's been with us this entire off season. It's been really great. Uh, so, all right. I hope that that uh, helps out a little bit in terms of how it is that you see roster construction in the NFL and, of course, team building. If you want more thoughts on roster construction and team building, there's actually a show that we have for you right here, Locked on NFL Scouting, right here in the Locked on Podcast Network. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, they talk about this kind of stuff all the time. So if you're interested in this, you can find more every day over at Locked on NFL Scouting. I appreciate you, as always, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day, every day, all you everydayers out there, whether it's your first time or your next time. I love you. I appreciate you very much for being here. We'll be live later on today following the New Orleans Saints practice. I have a couple of things right after practice. And then once I get back to the crib, we're going live and we'll break down everything from the New Orleans Saints final, effectively, training camp practice ahead of their final preseason game 
this weekend. They'll be practicing in the Superdome, so it's going to be a lot of fun today. Appreciate you as always, y'all, for coming through and making Locked on Saints a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. The trusty that nation, I'll holla at you.